0: My guest on this week's episode of Season Search is Chris Boggs, founder of Web Traffic Advisors. Chris is a veteran digital marketer, blogger, conference speaker, and he's been a judge for numerous award shows. I caught up with Chris after his presentation at PubCon Austin about saving money on Google ads. We had a wide-ranging discussion about the role of Google reps, how to save money with match types, and tips to eliminate waste in Performance Max campaigns. Chris is also an industry veteran with over 20 years of experience. In addition to PPC, his agency does SEO, video, and content work. With the emergence of ChatGPT, this is a moment of significant change. Chris is the perfect person to talk to for advice in the current environment. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Chris Boggs. We'll talk about the risks of auto-applying recommendations from Google. We'll spend a little time chatting about ChatGPT. And I'm going to ask Chris about the pesky problem of underspending on a PPC campaign. Chris, welcome to Suds Search. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for the invite. Uh, Looking forward to uh, chatting and and, uh, sudsing with with coffee.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you. I I wanted to start by by asking about a presentation. You just got back from PubCon Austin. I guess that was a few weeks ago. Um, And your presentation was about saving money on Google Ads. You know, one of the things that I... I liked about it at the beginning of your speech, you're, you're sort of cluing people into to what, some things that are happening at Google. So, for instance, we're getting these calls from reps, and our clients get calls from the Google reps. And overall, the experience is pretty lousy. Um, they're not that helpful or particularly knowledgeable, in my experience. I, I don't mean to be to all of them, but I think this could be confusing to someone listening who hasn't gone through this. I mean, I think, for, after all, people are probably going, like, they work for Google. I don't. You know, I, I don't work for Google. Certainly, Certainly they yeah. must, must have some knowledge that more knowledge than I'm leading on. Um, you know, basically, what can you tell our viewers about Google reps that, that, that may surprise them and, and how you found some way to, to use that network uh, to improve campaigns for clients?
1: Well, um, Google, uh, you know, became X, Y, Z uh through uh basically being able to almost print money as a result of what they're doing uh online with their advertising right and so um in general their goal is to get advertisers to spend money right at the highest level um so what they've instituted over the last i would say more aggressively in the last 5 years but definitely you know beginning a good 10 years ago probably uh, was this idea of trying to coach uh, clients along uh, with their advertising campaigns and helping to introduce new functionality, which, again, goes back to the main thing about making money, right? So if we flash forward to today and we look at Performance Max, it's a great example, right, of what it's evolved to, but we can talk about that later. Uh, the point is that these reps are trained uh, and depending on... It's very clear, and it's not like I'm, uh, you know, uh, somehow against some sort of an NDA or something. But based on your spend here, is the level of rep you're going to get, right? So let's start at that. So if you're spending uh, 10, 20, 30 grand a month, or, or much more than that, which a lot of advertisers do, you're going to get a rep that's likely, and I don't want to say U.S. based or anything like that, right? So it, they're just more experienced. Uh, and they're also likely experienced within the specific industry. For example, I had a client that was doing, uh, that's doing B2B software. Uh, they were spending, you know, north of 150 grand. And they had access to this guy who knew pretty much, uh, you know, some of the trends and it was helpful. And, and it was good access to someone who was commun- communicating with other B2B software entities. So there was value there, right? So if we tear way down (laughs) uh, and all the way down, and in fact, this particular uh, entity that I'm talking about, they dropped their spend because, well, I mean, long story short, I came in and I audited and no one was looking at their conversions and they was guiding the system wrong and they had no uh, revenue from it. So the spend immediately dropped, right? When it was identified that it was completely useless essentially. And that immediately almost got a uh, like a, uh, you know one of those uh, umbrella hooks uh, on our guy and and very quickly we became introduced to the next tier down it was still a reasonable spend uh this guy wanted to help but he and, and what I'm getting to here is that they're all on scripts kind of right. And he was more noticeably on a script, I would say. Right. In that he said, have you tried performance, Max? Have you done this? Right. And he's doing stuff that we as educated marketers, you know, we don't really want to hear this. And it's annoying also if it's wasting our clients time, if we're doing the call together with them and they're like, well, you should try display. You should, you should go. And, and, and by the way, On the prior call or even earlier in the call, I've said, Hey, the conversion signals no good. So we can't use conversion, uh, oriented goals or, or mark, you know, mechanisms within the campaigns. And then later in the call, they'll hit the part on the script that says you should, you should switch to conversion guided, uh, goals. And it's, it's very head scratching and annoying. As you can tell, my crescendo might be rising slightly. Uh, but the point is that, um, the less you spend to the, the more reliant these people are literally like, I had a call with one and some other two guys were randomly on the Google meeting screen. It's like, Oh, these two people are training. And then I got an email like the next day. Hey, so and so is your new rep. And, and the guy, it might have been his first call the day before. Right. And so they're basically being taught by these reps that then they have to have two guys that come in and listen in and watch them essentially they're looking at the same screen probably right that's reading them through a script and and so it it's a little bit insulting i think first of all uh to marketers like us uh that have invested time and may, maybe even years in uh challenging ourselves and the google platform uh to try to get you know get roi from it to then suddenly have these guys call your clients and, 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 and come in and, and then represent themselves as experts when even, I mean, most of my clients can tell like, you know, and they end up not, they're like, just take the call. Right. And a lot of times I'm like, I don't want to take the call. Uh, but for some I will. And, and because we're trying to work through some little thing, which maybe they can help us increase the size of an audience that we've uploaded 80,000 and they can only hit 8,000 or, you know, little things like that, where these people might, I think have some value if they can connect you to the right entities. So that was a long-winded answer, uh, but that's sort of where I feel about uh, Google reps in a, in a semi-large nutshell, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, I would, I would share that sentiment. I think it's it's one example um, where Google, I don't know, it's a little devious maybe, it's, it's maybe good business, I don't know, but it's it's where they, they make it look like it's free advice or free education. But really <laughs> the first priority of these things is to uh, is to make Google more money. Another yeah. one that you point out in your talk that, that's similar to this is that they have these like auto apply recommendations. So you can make yeah. these. They, Google yeah. will give you these recommendations. That's from Google. uh It's got to be good. It's got to be right. um You know what?
1: Yeah, what, and I didn't hit on that in what, my first what, answer, but you're right. that To a lot of people too. Then you know that's kind of uh, wow that you know somebody at dot google dot com uh, or at you know some so and so at google.com is actually emailing me to talk about this of course right. if i'm if i'm a business owner and especially if i'm a business owner that's not 100% sure which i you know i think it's a just a commonality of business owners They're business owners, so they will think they know, right? Or they might know more whatever. So it'll cause them in their head to wonder if maybe they're going to miss out on something if they don't hear what this Google rep. So that's why a lot of times I'm like, okay, let's talk to them, right? But I always preface them with, I'm telling you, they're going to want you to spend more money and they're probably going to talk to us about some of the stuff that we've already tested that we know doesn't work. And and typically, 99 percent of the time, I'm accurate. Right. And because we get on the call and then after they're like, oh, my God, you're right. and And so forth. So but it's true. You're right. And it gets, you know, to the next level, then, you know, they're giving these. Oh well, I can just set it and forget it, uh, and 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 I'll just and and that's the problem. The auto applies. It's funny. It overlaps with the same case study that I just talked about, where they had turned on the auto applies at the beginning of last year, which was adding you know keywords like broad match, just the word LLC, uh, you know, and and uh, some Salesforce. Salesforce spreadsheet template was another one. And there was about eight different spreadsheet template keywords that, you know, theoretically the system was trying to advertise on, but you could see there was no impressions. And 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 you could tell that the system was feeding itself so much crap that there was like, even the performance was uh, suffering from it. Right. And so that's the other part. And and then this is something I've noticed personally since early days when they were doing auto apply with ads is that, you know, often our best if you do a champion challenger model or something with an ad unit, the best performing champion is going to four or five X outperform anything they throw at it. Right. That that they think they can do AI wise. So it's frustrating and it's been frustrating for years to try. And, and again, I'm talking about at a, you know, a, a, I would call it a boutique level. Uh, approach to marketing the campaigns, right? I'm not talking about like a 10,000 product Google ad campaign or something like that right there. You do need some of that. And and I think that as long as you can guide the technology the right way and that it's going to auto-apply based on information that's accurate, that I'm okay with some of that, right, for scale. But if I really want to Approach this scientifically and try to improve my ROAS. I'm going to mostly turn off uh, the auto apply. Uh, in, in almost, I mean, almost every checkbox is is off uh, for me. Well,
0: well, interesting. I I agree with this 100%. One place where I was surprised a little bit, but I think it was it was smart. Was broad match keywords in Google right now are something that's like. Google takes such liberties with these things. It's like it's so broad. It's so broad, and um, yeah, generally speaking, it's it's not a match type I, I like to to utilize. Um, you had an interesting use case for it. How, how do you when you think of broad match keywords today? Jeez, uh, there were so many things about match types last year, but when, when you think about broad match keywords now, what what what? How are you approaching it? Where do you think there is
1: a, a benefit to using them, uh, if at all? um i would say there's a couple instances um one is first of all I, you can argue that exact matches is, is you know phrase match and and phrase match is broad match and broad match you can get down the these heck. you can, you can now, get into I these, these, uh, note, these yeah. i will note here not to diss too much bing Edge, but uh Bing's broad is even broader, right? But uh, let's let's just focus on Google for a second. And and, um, the instance where it may work, and I have tested it, is where you do have the mechanism feeding back in from a HubSpot or a Salesforce that's accurately identifying conversions uh, Mm -hmm. and actual MQLs and on through to sales, right? If it can get that data into it, And then you can apply that to an audience for a broad match, uh, text, uh, ad campaign. Then that does make sense. I think, uh, to, to test it, as long as you're limiting your number of broad match. The problem though, that I found is that it's, it's getting harder and harder. The other side of the story, another way to use broad match that I found is like, let's say you check the difference between rates and pricing. I'll give you that one. Uh, you'll be surprised like how much how many more query matches are right either with rates or pricing, right? For what you're actually looking for. And it's just kind of, I found a crapshoot, right? Like, and you have to do a little testing. And that's where for broad match for me is still important is because I want to use it uh, for testing and I want to help have it help me identify queries. However, um, the problem is is that that's becoming harder and harder it looks to me at least in across a lot of different campaigns is that they're trying to show you what you want to see in the query report now and they're still hiding and they're hiding more and more like of the what really wouldn't be a good match yeah. now in the early campaigns though for example for some of this b2b stuff which was in a financial niche i was able to Effectively harvest a negative keyword match list, right? That's what, uh, and that's what I'm talking about. Really, the value of Broad Two is not only to harvest the keywords, but to harvest the negatives and to try to train the system. And I found uh, that's where I actually answered a question in the in the panel where I was able to get uh, uh, in the education space uh, a software, a specific type of software, where we had like a twenty two percent. Uh, click-through rate, you know, uh, uh, based on uh, targeting a couple broad terms, but really limiting it with uh, negative uh, and, and, and a few other, you know, variables. Uh, but it, it is very, I think it can be effective, but it has to be guided correctly. And also you have to understand that there will be, I think, more natural waste or shrinkage or whatever you want to call it uh, as a yeah. result of using it.
0: Yeah. I'm just saying, as, as you're, as you're talking, so, yeah, how much this job has changed over the time i've been in this industry you know like a big part of the job of, of working in PBC now is just avoiding wasteful spend that's really it, yeah, like a, a huge part of it um we talked about the way ways google will take advantage of, of people who, who aren't as savvy i guess um but yeah. you know be a lot of this just has to do with finding negatives and mining for negative keywords and stuff like that what other, do you have any other tips or go to strategies for avoiding negative, avoiding wasteful spend for, for not just uh, (laughs) letting money on fire because it's easy to do, you know, it's really easy to do.
1: Well, I mean, I think I've touched on it, but just to be very clear, like if you don't trust your conversion data, don't let it guide uh, anything. right? Um, Figure out another way uh, maximize clicks. I'd rather use than you know, Conversion guided data, especially if I'm in an early uh, kind of phase, right? Um, You know, you're going to have to expect to to lose a little bit money at at, depending on where the funnel you are, right? And so you should have some, um, you know, willingness to. Waste more if it's a higher funnel uh, goal for for the campaign, but you should look for more and more ways to save the further down the funnel you get. I think, you know, in general. Uh, The other thing too would be to consider um, some of the settings, like uh, they've moved them around. Uh, Now there's Content suitability tool, I think it's called, where you used to be able to, uh, at a campaign level or even ad group level, say, hey, I don't want this to show on, park domains, right? This is one of those things that I like to say. It's like in Google Analytics where they, they un when you set it up, the box is unchecked for block all known bots and spiders, right? right? Why would you have that unchecked as the default, right? That should be checked. Yes, yes, so to fair. me, this is an example of right. unchecked right. stuff, right? That's within the system and that a lot of people, if they're setting up a new campaign or account, especially there's unchecked stuff that needs to be checked and, and stuff like parked domains. I don't want my ads showing on parked domains, right? I also don't want G-rated, uh especially in education actually because unless it's a you know parent guided then i do definitely want g-rated uh but content levels uh you know the whether it's g or pg and etc are not known uh and then there's content types uh i'll pick most of them i'm, I'm okay with uh Tragedy, or shocking, and sensational, or whatever. But there's a uh, one type that I can't think of right now that I typically don't allow, which is adult. I think it's adult-oriented content or whatever, because most of my brands don't want their ad to suddenly be screenshotted next to some adult thing, right? Oh, um, yeah, so yeah. that's to me the the other missing piece. Sometimes is the check boxes that aren't checked that you should.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. That's a that's a great answer, and the the other. The other thing you mentioned before that I think but dovetails into this nicely is performance max and pmax campaigns. And I don't know if there's a topic that quite stirs the emotions of my PPC friends quite like uh, performance max. Uh, you know, in your presentation, you compare it to TV advertising on Google, um, and you say that if you're if you're having trouble with a campaign that's underspending. This can help. I thought that was really clever. How are you advising clients to use performance Max, PMAX campaigns? Um, you know, where do you see, uh, you know, areas where you don't want to go all in on PMAX?
1: I've only begun testing it with a couple clients that have the, uh, uh additional uh, budget, right? And it's, you know, April of 23, everyone's trepidatious right now. A lot of spend is pulling back or whatever. So this might not be the best time uh, for Google and for a lot of people to test Performance Max, right? Uh, but there are some marketers out there, the uh, the TV spenders that uh, will be fine with it, right? And, and there's some agencies that probably aren't even telling their clients that, you know, they're doing Performance Max. Now, what I've heard, Anecdotally, is that e-commerce has been the best space uh, so far uh, for Performance Max. Um, what I found was the leads uh, did we did get a little uptick in some leads and some software stuff with with the initial testing, uh, but the quality wasn't any better uh, than what we were doing with other optimized campaigns, right? So, but it was at a higher cost. Uh, what worries me about, perf- I, I'm more worried about performance max. Now, again, if I'm in an e-commerce and I'm meeting the ROAS, then I'll run it all day and I'll keep adding more money to it. Right. But I'm worried about our and ROI. Right. And and I, I, we just spent 20 minutes talking about ways to save money. So this is a system like that's why I compared to TV is, is that you're just kind of throwing the money and you're hoping to get return. If you're Ford or Toyota, you know, you can, as a marketer, argue to your CEO that, hey, the money I spent on TV, we sold all these extra cars. Right. It wasn't that people suddenly needed new cars or anything. But uh, the point is, that, you know, that's kind of what you have to have the attitude with if you're going to spend on performance, Max, I think uh, you can, though, get some value from it, I, I believe. Uh, at, at a branding level, at a top of funnel level, right? Uh, you just have to be very aware and there's a lot of great conversation out there on Twitter, Pete's chat and stuff like that, right? Where uh, people are talking about the what's taken away from you, right? So if you have like bid adjustments, any type of bid adjustments, it's gone with Performance Max. Uh, basically, you're turning on all the auto apply stuff. So the other one that I think is important is if you have any concern about how your brand is presented, then don't use Performance Max. Right. Uh, there was a great uh, summary of it in one of the presentations at PubCon, but that was one of the three, because they will literally go find old logos or whatever they want if they think it if the AI thinks, well, it would look much better with this uh, 19, uh, 2013 logo than their current logo, they'll do it, and then suddenly you'll have these ads. And and so, as an agency, you have to be careful for that because we all know about the screenshot emails, right? Uh, and and that'll be the problem that will happen with Performance Max. Um, and and who knows, like if there's some bleed over, right? I mean, we're starting to see at least on the SEO side some stuff. Uh, where like uh, micro on a page that's crawled because of, you know, stuff that has a different price or offer. And then it's suddenly they have it on the organic SERP. So uh, I just, you know, I don't want anything to be allowed to be created that could potentially, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty tinfoil hat that it would jump over. Right. But uh, it's possible that some of these assets that Performance Max is creating could, you know, um, at least be shared in a negative sense uh for the brand that's that's a big worry for me for big brand
0: especially well, very interesting and i i i want to kind of shift gears before uh before we go because we're at the point in the show, right? We're almost out of time, but I haven't asked you anything about ChatGPT or AI or any of this stuff, and we have to do that, so. Amazing. Um,
1: yeah, I've been a, answering, great. by the way, really quickly. Well, All my answers have been ChatGPT4, by the way, not <laughs> Right,
0: exactly. It's getting pretty good. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, for the audience, it's good context to say, we've been talking a lot about PBC, but your agency does SEO, does, does, does a, it's a suite of services you provide. Um, and you've got a lot of experience. So you, I thought you'd be a good person to ask about this. Uh, a week or two ago, Goldman Sachs came out and said 7% of all the jobs in the United States could be replaced with AI. They think that internationally 300 million jobs will be disrupted. I can tell. Like this is, this is like the, the, the feeling I have when I go on, on uh, Twitter and talk to my friends in this industry that some friends are loving this stuff. And some friends are concerned. It's very polarizing that way. Um, many don't like this change. I just, straight up, they don't they don't like uh, um, that, that this could impact their they job. They don't like the
1: automated registers at the grocery store either.
0: No, yeah, exactly. So I, I think really the question I, I wanted to ask you is what professional qualities, what, what sorts of abilities, skills do you think that digital markers have to have in order to thrive and, and really not be impacted negatively by ChatGPT and other AI-generated content generation?
1: Um, I have to always quote Brett Tabke on this one because <laughs> I think his is the best uh, uh, single statement about it is that uh, he had people approaching him that were worried about losing their jobs to, to ChatGPT, right, and to AI. And his response was, "You won't lose your job to AI, but you may lose your job to someone that's leveraging or using AI, right? Oh, so it's it's that simple, right? Uh, and we, as marketers, uh, you know, we're, you know, we think a lot about ourselves. It's been 20 years of online marketing and stuff, and and part of the reason that we get a lot of positive self attitude is because we're constantly learning new stuff, right, as it comes out. So to me it's just about the learning right and and understanding too i think you hear a lot of noise people want to make chat gpt the scapegoat right uh, and 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 the same thing with the checkout lines at, at, at the grocery stores, right? Uh, oh, that's taking away humans that need jobs. Well, no, and there's plenty of ways to argue that there's other better things that humans could be doing than swiping the cost of something and putting it into a bag, right? Why, you know, I could sit there and argue all day with you about why make two humans do that process when one could, right? Uh, but the point is that uh, AI... Is a great tool, right? And, and there's a lot in the early days also of misunderstanding, like people that are starting to get a handle on what search is, uh, and then overlapping it, right? Uh, because it, it, it really isn't, uh, search is much more real time. It's a totally different animal, right? And then comparing Bard, uh, and, and sort of this more sort of higher level and Bing, uh, AI, uh, you know, that's kind of, um, um, uh, what's called hard machine learning versus soft machine learning or something. There's some technology name about it, but there's a different tier there, right? So if we're talking about just chat GPT-4, really, you could call it a glorified encyclopedia, right? And and it's 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 more so of an encyclopedia than a search engine because it's limited to the data that it has in it, right? And that it's right. been taught. Uh, versus a search engine which has a combination of that and the ability to understand and discern between recency and in fact and fiction sometimes uh, but you know there's a big difference right and so at the very beginning where I'm seeing an overlap happening where there's some confusion about what chat GPT really is right and it's not going to take over I, I worry for artists and I worry for writers uh, but if they leverage it, I, I, artists is who I'm most worried about. Writers, I think they should leverage it and it's just going to make their writing better. Uh, but artists I'm really worried for, um, you know, because, and eventually there will be, I mean, there's people now that go by turntables and, and, you know, uh, uh, discs, you know, uh, records. Uh, and, and I've, put mine away 25 years ago or whatever, right? That came back. And so art will definitely always have a place, but at scale and for marketing, that's where, you know, it's much easier to say, hey, I want a picture of uh, a, a kid that's uh, learning on a computer, you know, or something like that. And boom, and, and it can pass your legal and compliance. Uh, it's, exactly. it's original. It, it, there's so much like efficiency uh, so as an artist, that's where, you know, that's where you really, I think, have to start to embrace more so and figure out how you can leverage or how you can sell against AI. You know, like there's a lot of stuff on that side, I think.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is my last my last thing you mentioned. Uh, Barron and Bing's got their ChatGPT infused uh, version of this. And I think this is the most I've ever heard SEOs talk about Bing. You know, PBC folks, yes, but but SEOs are talking about Bing, and um, there's this supposed first mover advantage, and they were ahead of ahead of Google for a change on AI. Um, for most of my career, Google's been so dominant that I didn't even really report on Bing that much. It wasn't that big of a, uh, it was almost pointless. Um, where are you at with Bing? Are you are you taking a fresh look? Are you interested in, in their approach to AI, or are you you think status quo is a status quo?
1: I uh, only have so much time in my day uh, as a consultant uh, I'm actually rolling my sleeves up a lot uh, so um I played uh too much with ChatGPT. GPT so I'm I'm I'm, ca- I'm kind of laying off it a little bit and I never signed up uh, for the Bing one I did sign up for Bard and I got in there and I've played around with it a little bit uh, but I personally just don't have the time uh to, to give to the Bing one. Um, one thing that I also like, it's on my bookshelf of, of wanting to do is to get more into the Bing, uh, webmaster tools, uh, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool stuff in there and are apparently going to start making some connections there too. So, uh, it's on my to-do list, uh, but I can't really, uh, talk too much to that right now yet. All right. I love it. Well, well, Chris,
0: uh, if anybody's watching this, it's been it's been great to talk to you. But if anybody's watching this and want to learn about more about you or your your agency or favorite places to connect on social, what, what's the best way to get in touch
1: with you? Cool. Well, I'm on Twitter at boggles, just b-o-g-g-l-e-s, and uh web traffic advisors with dot com is my website. All right, awesome. I love that Twitter
0: handle. Very good. Uh, well, Chris, mm-hmm. thank you very much. I'm gonna give you a virtual cheers and cheers to you mark
1: and thank you very much and and your background team carolyn and all them uh for setting everything up
0: you got it and uh for everybody else we'll be back next week with another episode of Season search thanks
1: chris great cheers